Guys, it's the Great Debates program distributed where podcasts are found and on satellite radio via Sirius XM Radio. I'd like us to just begin. I think we've got a hot episode here, and there's no point in wasting any time. I've got Steve Healy and Dave King here ready to face off. Gentlemen, the first topic up for debate, a micro-debate, four minutes on the clock, in which Healy is going to take the pro. Good luck, Healy. Thank you. Guys, I always open up my calculator instead of the timer on my phone. Well, as long as you're there, let's do some math. Um, The math is four minutes plus one great debate equals let's have a good time. Great. There we go. Healy taking the pro solo will be good. I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the pro. Not great. It won't satisfy every, every nitpicky little Star Wars nerd who's out there. But it will be good. Here's why. Ron Howard, period. Ron Howard was brought into this film after Lord and Miller had put something into motion. It has a lot of star power. It features one of the most dynamic, interesting characters in cinema history. The the, the movie went haywire somewhere down the line. There were some creative disagreements. They had to save it at the last second. What an opportunity for a great master of populist cinema as Ron Howard. I think that he got in there. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's got a cruise he's been working with for 20 years. He's swooping. He picked up Donald Glover and whoever plays Han Solo. I don't know. Whoever else is in the movie. He put together a work that will satisfy, amuse, hold your attention on Saturday night at the movie theater. Will it be the greatest thing you've ever seen? No. Will it change your life? No. Will it be a new American myth? No. But will it build on the legacy of Star Wars to create something entertaining and fun for you on a Saturday night? Absolutely it will. Han Solo is not a great character. Harrison Ford played him very well, and he made him kind of funny and charming, but he's not an interesting enough character, I believe, to build a movie around. Remains to be seen, I don't remember the name of the kid who's playing him, Ansel something, is that right? Oh, it's him? Baby I don't Driver? Know. I don't know. Was he Baby no. Driver? Is it someone else? Is his oh, name? wait, there's the kid, is the kid who was in uh, Fault in Our Stars, is that who we're talking about? I don't know. Okay. But I'd like to move on to my other point while yeah. Medina looks up yep. to starve him. In the history of cinema, there's only a few examples of movies where a director ha- uh, was taken off a project and another director was brought on. The two examples that I can think of off the top of my head, one is uh, uh, that accidentally in love movie that was, uh, what's his name, David O. Russell directed and eventually he took his name off of it and other people cobbled together a movie. And I, I believe it was like straight to streaming and most I didn't see it, but I don't think it was considered a very good movie. Another example where the a director's name stayed on, but uh, by most accounts he didn't do most of the directing is Prairie Home Companion, which was Robert Altman's last movie. And most people say he like just wasn't even directing because he wasn't doing well. Both of those movies are not good. And I have, think wait, have you seen either one of those movies no okay but most uh, but i probably won't know. see solo either for what it's worth um have you seen either of those movies no but i'm i for all i know prairie home companion is like that's a terrible premise for a movie i yep. from i've seen a couple minutes of it on tv and it actually looked fine and to be addressing real issues and with real characters and exploring some pretty interesting territory not you know titanic but it was something not titanic is the example you use of like a of a great movie. Interesting choice. Titanic I, is a tight movie that, you know. It's a tight movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like four hours long. Okay. Whatever. All right. Regardless, are we going to get lost in the weeds from, here? We really are lost in the weeds. 
Solo, I don't think will be good for the for the two main reasons that I outlined. Han Solo sans Harrison Ford, it does not equal success. Will I bet there'll be entertaining scenes? I guess Lando and him playing poker, whatever. Sure, Donald Glover is having not just a moment, but a, you know a decade, and I'm sure he's good in it. But I just don't see Ron Howard. He Ron Howard does serviceable movies. That's not what's required of a, of a Star Wars feature. You need someone. You need a visionary. You don't need you know rush. I would like or to whatever. jump in you just before someone. the clock hits. I'm gonna. I feel like you've been taking up a lot of time, and I do just want to point out like you have such a strong side of this debate and you are taking the weakest ground possible you're doing some of the worst debating on this topic i can imagine that han solo isn't an interesting character okay deans dave is locked in a frosty stare i i am impressed by your move at the buzzer there heels All right. i am and i kind of don't know what to think i was definitely going to choose dave's side here and i'll tell you why i feel like you played mostly defense uh-huh heels, yeah which i liked um because i always think of the way that rabbit wins the um the um the competition the what's it called the, the tortoise, tortoise in the hair no um you know eminem in the oh, oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he that, wins by fable. like deflating yeah. the other guys um yes. um uh, barbs yeah <laughs> ahead of time yeah yes, so yes, i appreciate yes, that in the he roasts himself he roasts himself in the forum of debate but i liked the take that um that han solo not an interesting character without the ever charming Harrison Ford. I don't think the movie will be good. I think it will be. Why did you oh. take these sides? I was assigned by the moderator. It was more life affirming. Do you want to take like a one minute each to discuss yeah. the yeah. other sides? Yep. Yeah. Can I go Let's first? Yes. Of course it's going to be good. They've put $600 million into this movie. There's enough resources available to make sure that every stage of it is vetted to be a certain quality level. They're simply not going to throw a ton of money. What are, think of the movies that like have cost as much as Solo have that have actually been bad. With the exception maybe of the first three Star Wars movies, it just doesn't happen. The recent Star Wars movies have a pretty good track record of quality. I know some people don't like like episode seven or whatever, but by and large, they've been pretty good and engaging and have a nice level of like, or or a nice balance of servicing the sort of Star Wars mythology and giving us a little bit of humor and a bit of a, like a kind of darker, more interesting tone and finding performances that are a little more grounded and real. I feel like, you know, basically Adam Driver and um, the other, and like Adamna Gleason and those performers. What? Healy, what's your problem? How long are we going to go for? Okay, I'm done. It's going to be good. Look, the Money, money, and movie goodness does not correlate. That's a crazy argument. The the movies just the vibe is terrible. They fired these two guys who are known to be very cool, interesting directors. Replaced them with a guy who's a competent, you know, workman. The movie has bad mojo on it. Everything about it looks kind of bad. The posters look stupid. Han Solo is a great character, but we don't need to know more of his backstory. We know everything we need to know about him. He's got a cool spaceship. There's a Wookiee who has life debt to him. He shoots Greedo. Done. I don't want to flesh out this guy. I, I got to give heels this round. What? Yeah, I, it's compelling to me that I don't want to know his backstory. 
it's like so he was <laughs> the interesting <laughs> shit that happens to Han Solo happens in the rel- like the end I mean, you know, you of a new hope. Yet. Are you going to see the movie? Point. You don't I think it's going to be good. I think I'm like 40, 60 that I'll see the movie at some point. Let's lower the tension significantly. I think that's a good idea. Dave, it's time for a very special host chat. And oh, un- yeah. Unusually so. We both prepared for this host yeah, chat. I, I do mm. like Would this. you like to go first? Guys, we're going to play Defending Your Likes. Defending Your Likes, the crowd favorite. I it's a great game. It's a great game. Dave, explain the game, and then let's play Defending Your Likes. Okay, so Defending Your Likes is a game wherein Healy and I have spent time going through each other's Twitter likes, which mm-hmm. is to say... I go on Healy's feed. I've done a few Medinas as well. Oh, interesting. He's not immune to this. I forgot to check Medinas. So I click on Healy's page, and then you click on what his likes were. By the way, I think you've like 31,000 likes. <laughs> I'm a soft touch. <laughs> no, it's great. It's just kind of amazing when you think about the sum total of clicks that we do in our lives. It's really kind of staggering. Oh, uh, yeah. And then basically what we're doing is we're each looking for, you know, questionable likes or likes that require a little bit of explanation we just you we want to ask the other person to defend their like yeah and so that's what we have ready so should i go first sure yeah go ahead well if I'm you gonna, have a good example uh, exemplary one well i just, i don't know if this is exemplary but i'm going to come out of the gate swinging uh-oh <laughs> Mm. You faved. Now, a, we've not prepared our defenses. No, no, you don't impromptu know. Defense. You don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what's coming. There's a chance we'll have to edit some of this out because you might yep. have to be like, "Well, I know that person, yes, and yes. I had to generously." So, I mean, several times I, that was the co- understood context, <laughs> yeah. even when I okay. I'm pretty sure you don't know this person. Okay, Pope Francis. Yes, <laughs> at Pontifex. Yes, two or three days ago he tweeted. Yes. Your response to Jesus cannot be conditioned by momentary calculations and convenience. Yes. It must be a lifelong, quote-unquote, yes. You're telling me that isn't a sick tweet (laughs) for the Pope to drop? This guy's one of the best tweeters in the world, in addition to being Pope. But why do you... I guess I'm curious why... Because I didn't... He tweets... Like, he tweets a fair amount. Yeah. And I didn't see you liking his tweets that had a general message of sort of like forgiveness or feeding the poor. This I one think is I like a, very, a lot of those. This too. is like a very uh, sort of constrictive definition of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The command, the bossiness, the just. You boom. like that in your Pope. In my Pope, what do I want? <laughs> I want. I don't know. A guy to just drop on you how you're supposed to respond to Jesus. And this guy is doing it. Okay. Is it that you like it in your Pope or in your Pope's tweet? In my Pope's tweet, yeah. I like a lot of condensed, yeah. like, religious power. By the way, rumors, sorry, just while we're talking about Go ahead. Pope, rumors mm-hmm. circling, he might step down. Did you hear about no. this? Haven't heard that, don't buy it. What okay. a well, he said he be. might, the time may come to leave his flock. He's mm. just, you know, he's going to die. All right, Dave, time okay. to defend your likes. Yeah. On 4-16-18 at 7.32 p.m. I'm nervous. <laughs> Mira Gonzalez, uh-huh. a tweeter we both admire and enjoy, uh-huh. tweeted the words are me visiting Barbara Bush's grave when she dies. Uh-huh. And then it's a gif of a dude in a skeleton costume dancing on someone's grave. Yeah. 
Yeah, I okay. So basically, <laughs> I what I like about this is I don't I stand by this like, and the reason I do is that I don't specifically endorse the idea of <laughs> mm, like mocking Barbara Bush after her passing. Uh huh. But I do like the idea very much of being consistent with one's beliefs and principles and feelings about people, whether they are living, about to die, recently died, mm. or died a hundred mm. years ago. And I do think that like we're seeing this now with John McCain, we saw it with Barbara Bush, where people tend to, again, I go back to sort of like confuse civility with decency to a certain extent, mm. and they believe that just because these people were statesmen, we saw a similar thing, by the way, though, to me the most egregious example was when, um, what's his, was it Alito, the Supreme Court Justice who died? Uh-huh. And after his, pa- was it Alito or Scalia? I can't remember. Scalia? Scalia. Alito's alive. Yes. Yeah, so when Scalia died, everyone was like, he, or not everyone, but a lot of people were like, he, hey, he, you know, he served his country, and whether we disagreed, and then I just don't believe that just because someone died, we should ignore the fact that they've been like a horrible suppressor of civil and human rights for decades. I don't. Th- I think did that, Barbara like, Bush suppress anybody's? I don't anything? know. I, I mean, I don't. Basically, like I don't know enough about Barbara Bush to say one way or the other. But I do endorse the idea <laughs> that one should be allowed to quote-unquote dance on her grave. I believe there is certainly like reason to believe that behind closed doors she was, you know, helping to, helping basic, yeah, the Bush family and everyone to be an architect of like the, you know, conservative movement of the second half of the 20th century, which I think the track record of is pretty shitty. I'm going to hit you right away with another Defend Your Like. Damn. <clears throat> I don't have I the date that. for this one Thank in you. front of me, but it was not that long ago. ABC News uh-huh. tweeted, all caps. Oh, well, I'll, I'll fave any ABC News tweet. <laughs> this is the words, all caps. Gorilla see, gorilla do. Then regular letters, caretakers at Bush Gardens in Florida say exercises like these help build trust between workers and the animals and provide a bit of mental and physical stimulation for gorillas like Bolingo. And then there's a little video of them doing some work with Bolingo through the glass. That's interesting. So, okay. So my response to that is Uh I have absolutely zero recollection (laughs) of seeing that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't follow ABC news. (laughs) I don't particularly like gorillas. Okay. Here's my best guess. Yeah. Someone I follow retweeted it. Yep, it just looked pleasant. It looked pleasant. <laughs> it was late at night. Love it. I gave it a generous Gave fame. it a little ge- feeling generous. And we're on with our way. Okay. okay, is it back to me, or do you want to hit Medina up with one here? Medina, defend your life. Oh, oh baby. 6817. That's how far back I went for this, this one. It's too far. How okay, so I can do a more recent no, one. No, if you go prefer. ahead. Give Let's it try it out. 6817. Gary Kasparov. Okay. Russian chess master says yes. there will be more info on my master class up soon, but 1300 to 1700 range for most material plus analysis for 1800 plus. And then he's responding to a tweet from somebody else. Only 39 people on the entire planet have liked this, <laughs> including Dan Medina. I love it because here's what happened. It made me recall the, um, I, I, at one point in my 20s, I took some chess classes really? Oh, and really cool enjoyed it because there were a couple friends of mine who would sit around actually playing chess. Mm. 
And I would find that the two of them would win frequently, and I would usually, there was one guy I could sometimes beat, and then the other dude I never beat. And so I took some chess lessons. This is great. And then I always won against both of them. Wow. (laughs) Really? So much so that the one guy that would always win before I took the lessons became frustrated and I think liked to play less. Wow. (laughs) It was... How how did you find your teacher, your lessons? I I don't remember. Maybe it was Craigslist or something, but there was like a guy who taught lessons and he had like a class that you could go and like other dudes (laughs) who were into chess. You weren't doing it online or anything? No, no, in person. And like there would be the board up there and he would talk about like moves and strategy. Any key principles you remember? No, but well, the thing is you've got to practice all the time. (laughs) You've got to play all the time. And so what I responded to in this tweet was that I remembered that it, there was like a very significant system of rankings, mm. um, you know, whether you're a master or an international master okay. or a grandmaster, okay. and that had to do with your ratings, which are similar to SAT scores. Are you a 1300 mm. to an 1800 or a 10, mm. whatever? And I just, it was nostalgia for the world of chess. Love. I mean, what a... Keep rolling. Keep (laughs) defending. We could talk about this all day, obviously. Let's just keep moving. Okay, Healy, (laughs) I want you to defend this. Uh Uh-oh. You... Uh Oh, oh, it's not that bad. This is from April 16th. Oh. This is... That'll be fine. At Moby Dick at sea. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Love. I assume this is just a bot that tweets lines for Moby Dick? Yep. Okay. So I don't know if it's a bot or a person okay. because there is does seem to be a intelligence behind it. But I, I don't, see. Yeah. So selected lines one. Okay, it just says, "This is a nasty night, lad." Sure. And you you liked that? What a friggin' cool sentence to just <laughs> throw into your novel. You pluck <laughs> a sentence at random from this guy's novel, Moby Dick, and that's that's one of them. Like, isn't that? There's a voice. Mm. There's a connection. You and the reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's dialogue in the book. I don't know. But I'm just well, like that's one of the reasons why I was I, I was actually hoping for some insight to that because it's not in quotes. Yeah. And I was curious, is this, a, is this addressed to the reader, or is it a line of dialogue without quotes? Well, Moby Dick, <laughs> right? I, like, there's a lot of these old books, they're so boring, you, you, you know, you don't want to read them. Okay. And then Moby Healy Dick is one that I read boring. fairly late in life and was like, this shit is awesome. Uh-huh. I really I knocked so my good, socks right? off. And there yeah. is a lot of the narrator talking to you as though like you're just pals on this old mm. ship. It's uh, there's a cool okay. drawing you okay. in in Moby Dick, and I don't know. Well defended, mm. Dave. Yeah, are you prepared to defend? Probably not. The following like Kenny Maine. Uh huh. Stewart's kid, poised and beautiful and doing big things. At Tay and Sid, and there's a. Photo of Kenny Maine and a young woman. Let me see the photo. So I assumed that that was Stuart Scott's daughter. Oh, and okay. So I found this. Oh, right now I get it. Very cool. Okay. Great. I found okay. it very moving that <laughs> All right, he was. Awesome. Uh, Sorry. No, it's I didn't cool. know who Kenny Maine was. <laughs> oh, Kenny Maine is a sports center uh, anchor. Let me pivot you immediately then to a different celebrity okay, celebration. Pivot. We have a pi- Keely invoking the pivot. I invoke my pivot to take you to Stephanie Beatrice of Brooklyn uh-huh. Nine-Nine. Beats, and fan. she's got Eva Longoria and her friends. It says, your star, our star. 
Congratulations, Ava Longoria. We are so proud of you. Hashtag Shine Theory star. It looks like Ava Longoria is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Okay, so not a big fan in general of like the Hollywood Walk of Fame yeah. or stars right. or that kind of thing. But I thought it was quite cool that Ava Longoria had assembled, as far as I could tell, a sort of like cadre, if that's the word, of like young uh, Latina mm. women mm-hmm. and women of color to celebrate the moment with her. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this, I've seen this group of, I, I assume they're friends, America Ferreira, Steph Beats, and Ava Longoria, and other people, Livia Munn is sometimes in the group, who I know isn't Latina, but, you know, person of, female of color, and I just think it's cool that they're like, that they celebrate these uh, accolades together. Yes. Because... You know, usually the Hollywood Walk of Fame thing, it's just like, you know, yeah, your yeah, family yeah. or your yeah. agent is Cool. I, the, the photo has a lot of positivity behind it. It looks like a great time and whatever. Okay. It just didn't seem really you. Is it on brand for me to like something no. like that? No, no, it's not. Definitely no. You, We have brands so that sometimes we can go off brand. Mm-hmm. Thank you. To, to that's help where us define what they are. Oh. Anyone else want to challenge or defend a like? Well, I have one last one. Are we, how are we doing on time? Great. Let's okay. do one last yeah. one. Healy. So this isn't so much a def- This is a possible, I don't know, to- mm. a possible mm-hmm. top about mm-hmm. him. You fa- I don't know this gentleman. His name is J. Robert Lennon. Do you know uh-huh. who that yeah. is? Yeah. Do you know him personally? I don't know him personally, but from afar. Yeah. Okay. At J. Robert Lennon. Now he He's tweeted- a writer and creative writing teacher at some oh, university. Okay. So he wrote... A dumb, wrong thing, I believe, is that if a song is stuck in my head, actually listening to it will get rid of it. Yes. Now, mm. I don't think that's dumb at all. I, I, to me, I think, well, that's at least worth trying. And I did a little research about this, and some people suggest it's one of the only ways to get rid of a song. I uh-huh. agree okay. with you. Okay. I, I wish he didn't have the dumb in there, but it was enough to give it a like. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that the way you dislodge a song that's in your head is by listening to the song. Uh-huh. And then if it's his truth that that's dumb and doesn't work, cool for him. More info. Ah. Hmm. You listen to the song. Some people say that you have to listen to the song, but you have to do it with purpose, and you can't do it while you're distracted. <sighs> you gotta Otherwise, just... you could make it worse. Is that true? That's what I read in my brief research into the subject of so-called earworms, right? <laughs> which are songs that get stuck in your head, which I did after reading this tweet by J. Robert Lennon. My friend told me about his buddy was walking to swim practice at Stanford, and he was going to have to do some, like, I don't know, 50 laps or something. Uh And as he saw the guy walking by, he just goes, my girl likes to party all the time, party all the time. And then just left the guy with that one. Ouch. 50 laps. When I was a young rower at Harvard, I was about to do a 10 K of rowing Hmm. and an older rower just put on repeat, uh, so I said, Andy, my bartending friend, mm. Liz Fair. What's mm. the name of that song? Polyester Bride. Polyester. Do you want to be a polyester? On repeat for the mm. next 40 minutes of intense exercise. Oh, what a relatable story. He was 
doing his 10K rowing at Harvard. Oh, come on, on, dude. The specifics aren't relatable, but the general idea of fucking somebody over is <laughs> Look, completely relatable. We all did a country club sport in oh, Ivy League school. Screw you, away man. Chocolate oh, space oh, let's not pretend we're something we're not here. <laughs> That's I like hey, that. man, I did it too. What Defending you your sports. Defending your everything, this turns into guys. Your, yeah. Let's hmm. get back yeah. into that the sport great, yeah. of debate. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, what a great game! Always a great game. Yeah. We learned a lot. Tough to play. Dave's likes are getting better and better. Mm. Thank you. Um, I have a main that I think Dave is going to take the pro on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, are you ready? Yes. Bostonians are uglier than the average Americans. Okay. So this is a tricky, tricky little pickle. Bostonians are uglier than the average Americans. Healy and I have talked about this a little bit. And I happen to know that Healy believes this to be oh, true. Whoa, 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 foul flag. Why? You absolutely cannot bring in outside non debate discussion as evidence in the debate. I that's one of our rules going way back. That's fair. I, I agree with that. We're not supposed. To, we're supposed to abandon our actual takes and just debate. Okay. Jurors will disregard decides. that. Okay. All right. I'll, I respect that, and I apologize. Oh, uh, good. I'll rephrase. <laughs> Healy and I have discussed this before, and what Healy wants me to argue <laughs> is that <laughs> is that because there are a lot of Irish, Jewish. And Italian people in the Boston area. This is all in your head. They are disproportionately uglier than the rest of, than the average American. I'm not going to make that argument. I believe that regardless of your ethnicity, you can be attractive. I don't think that attractiveness or ugliness is correlated with one's ethnicity or country of origin. Here's what I do believe about the Boston area. There's a few things. First of all, I believe that they don't get a lot of sun and I don't think that I believe that they tend to be a pale people, mm-hmm. and I believe that they tend to suffer on the attractive scale because of it. More importantly, I believe that people in Boston, the communities tend to be segregated. And by that I mean you have pockets of small gene pools that tend to reproduce within themselves, and this happens more so than other metropolitan areas. The Irish tend to reproduce with the Irish, the Jews with the Jews, African-Americans with the African-Americans. Boston, as, as Healy will have to admit, for decades has been plagued by sort of, you know, a, a uh, what do you call it? By segregation, for lack of any other word, even though it's not, you know, segregation on a legal scale through redlining and other, you know, Basically, also through like the way the public transportation is set up and everything. So, what is this? What's the result of that? Well, basically, you get a lack of hybrid vigor. You get a you get a, a shallow gene pool. You get people who are uglier. This is this is basic science, and that to me is the main reason why people from Boston are uglier than the average American. Go ahead, Healy. Okay, I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the con. I don't think people from Boston are uglier than average. Look. Are people in California on average, or at least uh, coastal California, more attractive than people in Boston? They're outside every day. People have moved here to be in show business. There's a lot of sunlight. Yes. Coastal Californian is hotter than Boston. Hawaii, 
lot of interesting ethnic mixes. People are surfing. It's part of the culture to be outside. You have to be in good shape. On average, I would say a hair above Boston. But Dave, I have to tell you, I recently drove from Houston, Texas to Florida through a lot of this country. And Boston is doing just fine. They're well above average. Now, why? A couple of the same things that Dave wants us to ignore. Boston is urban. Any city is more mixed than any rural area. I'm sorry. There's just more diversity in Boston. There's more opportunity to mix ethnically, racially, whatever. Boston is actually fairly diverse. A lot of people are drawn there from all over the world to attend the various universities, work in the various hospitals. In Boston, every day you'll see an Indian woman with a, a Chinese man. You'll see all kinds of mixing of couples. Dave's criteria here, and I'll, get, I'll grant him that, that genetic mixing does tend to lead to hotterness, but I think in Boston, you'll find plenty of that. Moreover, Boston's fairly prosperous. It's a fairly expensive city to live. Who can live there? Who likes to live there? Ambitious people, driven people. That correlates with working out, with self-confidence, with, uh, you know, the attractiveness, frankly. I think there have been studies on the fact that wealthier people, you know, score higher on this kind of thing. It's not fair, it is a fact if you do that kind of like cold calculation about attractiveness, that's why I think Boston is way above entire states, entire regions of the country. Boston is doing just fine. It may not be the hottest city in the country, but it's definitely above average. I would submit to you that when you drove from Houston to Florida, you were witnessing basically, or you were, I think that you were, what am I trying to say? I don't know. The people that you saw on that journey yeah. were in the bottom quintile of attractiveness. Bottom quintile? Yes, of the American population. The bottom quintile is not even near a road, a road that anyone would drive on. The bottom quintile is in deep valleys, hollers. Well, that's that's simply sites of urban ruin because twenty percent of Americans don't live away from roads. We're no longer like a hill and forest people who don't live by roads. The bottom quintile of people is going to be people that like aren't coming out of their house. They're in some weird. Uh, they're but, shacked well, up eating I, I, and watching TV and taking drugs, but, right? I disagree with you. I think like ugly people get out of the house and go to restaurants just as much as handsome people do. Wait, pause. You really think that? Uh, yeah. You By think ugly large, people yes. go to restaurants as much as attractive I, the people? The ones that you were eating at on your way from Houston to Florida, probably. Yeah, roadside establishments. And where where did you stop for food? Waffle for? House, yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Here's another. I'm glad you brought up uh, that Boston is an educational center. Why? Smart people are uglier. The smarter you are in general, the uglier you are. Why? Because you need to be. Good-looking people don't need to succeed. They don't need to be smart. Did you, Healy, as you said, let's not shy away from what we are. You and I went to Harvard. Uh -huh. Do you think that the average Harvard student is more or less attractive than the average college student in America? Okay, but... You and I both okay, wait, know wait, that but, the answer is uglier by less a... A, a, a lot. More or less attractive than the average college age person? Yeah, I sure. Think, no, I think we're staying, we're probably at, you know, uh, you 40%. You out of your yeah. damn mind. You know damn well that when you open up the Harvard freshman Facebook and look through the pictures of all your classmates, you went, 
what the hell did I get myself into? This is Uggo City. Disagree, disagree. I think, I think you're f- actually slipping a little bit into a stereotype. And if we really examine the facts, there's a lot of doing. very we attractive people at this university. You've been doing it too. You made stereotypes about well, dr- about people who are driven and ambitious that they tend to be more good looking. But I don't think that's the case when you're talking about smart people, people who are drawn to education and academia. I mean, there's a reason that, like, the stereotypical depiction of a smart person is not handsome. It's a four-eyes, like, dork. It's because some cliches are true. And not all smart people are ugly, but certainly, on the whole, the more you are driven to succeed, let's say, in a school environment, the less good-looking you are. I don't think that there's any way to argue that that's not empirically true. I don't. I'm and not. the city of Boston, as you said, is a magnet for hundreds of thousands of students. And by the way, not just students, but also like grad students, people who want to be doctors, lawyers, people who are saying, I'll sign up for six more years of school because that's how much I want to have my nose in a book. And if you think those people are good looking, my friend, then I say get thee to a state school. I think that you are falling into too much believing in your own cliche. When the the real brutal, I'm not saying okay, that hang on, it's hang a on. huge you've had plenty time to talk. Dave, Dave, Dave to you've be. had plenty of time to We're talk. We're talking about very Dave, small differences come on now. here. Be reasonable. Go ahead. You are missing the larger fact, which I think you would agree that educational attainment, success, graduate school stuff that does correlate with self-confidence, being taken care of, health, all the things that can lead you to be more attractive, coming from a background of education and prosperity. And the the brutal truth is that if we're going to talk about the least attractive people in the world, we're going to be talking about people who are isolated, who are impoverished, who are not getting the benefits of the people who are have the opportunities to come to Harvard and go to Boston, go to these great schools, great institutions. Okay, well, I'll let this lead into my closing statement then, which is that basically you have two worlds that you can believe in based on the arguments we've heard. You, can, you have Healy's world where the uh, where basically poor and, and, uh, and ill people are the ugly ones. Or you can have my world where the smarter people are t- the uglier ones. And I mean to say slightly on average less good looking than the average American. That's the choice that you have to make, Medina. Which one do you think is more true? Ugly is, I'm going to make my closing statement. Ugly is such an ugly word that I didn't use. We're talking about sort of a brutal calculation of attractiveness. And yeah, I think the fact is that Boston, because of its many attractive qualities as a city has drawn many attractive people and continued to produce attractive people. It's simply not in the bottom half. The bottom half is going to be places that are not getting the resources they need, are not getting the healthcare they need, are not getting the the kind of driven people that they need. It's the left behind America. Can I re- request just a 20 second rebuttal, if I may? I'll allow, yeah, I'll, Thank I'll you. give it to you. You've got this crazy vision of Boston as being like the fucking emerald city it's not that great it's not that different than other cities it's not that much better a place to live than atlanta or seattle or portland or san francisco or dallas or st louis 
They're by and large the same. You don't think they've got hospitals and schools in St. Louis and Chicago and Columbus, Ohio? Boston isn't this amazing place where the gorgeous, working out elite go to live. It's just not the city on the hill that you think it is. Okay, I'm going to put... I just asked the listener, whoever's judging the debate, to take Boston and put it next to Chicago, Dallas, Columbus, Ohio. I'll take Boston's chances. Oof. Okay. I'm going to go with Dave. Thank you, Medina. And... I don't think we needed the rebuttal no, phase. I'm sorry. But that's fine. Um, I think he really snapped it from the jaws of, um, uh, of defeat there. Because I think it was a, <clears throat> a tough place to find your footing in that debate. But I think he really did at that certain point And then took the ball and ran with it. Thank you. Congratulations to Dave. <laughs> I'm going to put this one to the listeners. There's going to be a Twitter poll I or something. and. Here. Listeners, you're not voting for whether Boston is about your who won the debate. Who won the debate? Okay, jeez, what yeah. a what a what a great sport this is. Dave, do you prefer the debates where it's like, oh, gee, am I stepping in it? Am I, <laughs> <laughs> or do you like the ones where it's like happy and sunshine? And I, I don't know that I prefer happy and sunshine, but yeah. I prefer ones where I'm not. The stakes we're not dealing with the demographics and stereotypes. Did you see the general on CNN or whatever who called McCain Songbird McCain? No, wait, what did he call? He, he called what? There's some. I don't want to get too far into it, but some terrible Fox News commentator was saying like, you know, torture works. Look at John McCain. That's why they call him Songbird McCain. Oh, and in oh the second he says it, God. I feel like it's worth watching just because you can see like, wow. oh. I said this on TV. On Maybe I can say that to my drunk jerk buddies. Wow. But this, I just, you can see him be like, I just screwed up. Is he known to have given up? <laughs> He's a terrible monster. I don't want to no, no, worry McCain about this guy. Or, uh, I'm asking no, about McCain. McCain is, a, is fine. In well, that. I don't know about that. He's fine. He was a hero in his prison camp Vietnam time. Gotcha. Wow. Whew. Hot. I said it was going to be hot. It was hot. Scorcher. I'm going to take us out of here. We'll see you next week on The Great Debates. The Great Debates is produced by Mark Caracello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King. And the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina.